1: Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. We're ready to roll. More on Deception coming at you. Kurt, how's it going?
0: Hey, I'm feeling good today. It's been a great week so far, even though it's just getting started. Hope everyone is learning to become power persuaders and taking things to the next level because we're already in February, which seems odd to me, and then hoping everyone is still continuing on those goals that we talked about the first week in January.
1: The most odd about February for us has been the weather. It was like 62 degrees the other day in February. I was doing yard work. I was raking up leaves. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way. I'm kinda I love the warm weather being from California, but I know we need still in the mountains to fill up the lakes. So Although I, I did go to the boat show. Did you go to the boat show?
1: No, I didn't make it. What'd you oh, see? What right. was what was the favorite boat?
0: Sweet. Sweet. You know, there were some big disappointments. Everyone went to the glitter hole, right? So it's shite. I don't I don't want glitter, but everyone's going to glitter. But I'd say top two Mastercraft is always up there and I'd say Centurion has really stepped up, to put out some good boats. Oh,
1: uh-huh. so, so you're going to get got, one? I've
0: got my new goal for next year, and uh, let's make it happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool. The Centurion is making a much better boat these days. You got to...
0: They said, they said, we don't do bottom line anymore. It's all top line, so they're kind of going after Mastercraft. Yeah. The amazing thing is, of course all the listeners want to know this, the Centurions have a big hole in the side of the boat, <laughs> which if you boat, that's you think that's bad, but it's there to fill up the ballast tank, so... They needed extra air. They can put a couple thousand pounds of ballast in that boat in less than a minute. But they have to have these big air intakes on the side of the hole.
1: <laughs> so you've got a hole in the side of your boat. And yeah, it's I thought supposed that was very
0: there. odd. So they must have a sweet ballast system to make sure that doesn't sink the boat. But anyway, that was my weird aha for the boat show this year.
1: And for those of you that aren't boat obsessed like Kurt, is, a ballast is a tank that fills up to make a bigger wake behind the boat so that you can do more flips and things because you can jump higher And Kurt. You know, he can do an an air Rayleigh, a Superman, all the awesome tricks. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's also for the surfing part, too. That's getting bigger and bigger.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Wake surfing is pretty cool. It's harder than it looks. It's a lot harder than it looks.
0: Yeah, everybody. What that is, basically, you can surf behind a boat without a rope as long as you want, just like you're in the ocean and the wave never goes away. So it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Well, all right. All right. I've got big news. Are you ready? Go. You already know what the news is. We are going to announce the winner of the presentation contest that we had a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) We invited everybody to submit their presentations, video or audio, and have Kurt and I watch them.
0: Yeah, I tell you, we saw some really sharp ones. We saw some mediocre ones, and then we saw some woo-delly ones. (laughs) Hey,
1: Congratulations to the woe Nelly ones. Way to go. Way to take a swing. Right,
0: and we gave feedback to all of them. It didn't matter where you at; we could all improve. You know, I speak professionally, you speak professionally. And there's always something to change, fine tune, to look at. And the biggest, hardest thing is you fix something like a, a vocal filler. Two years later, it's back, and you that's don't know. Right,
1: that's right, that's right. The best speakers are the ones who can admit that they always need improvement. Nobody's a perfect speaker.
0: That's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. We want to give a big old congratulations to Mark Ackerman out of Tempe, Arizona. Congratulations, Mark.
0: So what do they win behind curtain number two?
1: For less than the cost of a Honda Civic, (laughs) Kurt, he gets a subscription to University of Persuasion. Look at that. Just like we said.
0: Sweet. Everyone go there. Over a hundred different Persuasion influence tools. Some of it's free. Some of it's a membership. It is good stuff. And it was Mark, right? Mark wins it for a year.
1: Mark wins it for a year. So if you're interested in learning more, go to universityofpersuasion.com. You can see all the different options there. You want to be a serious persuader. You want to do the daily habits that get you to be better. That's the place to do it. We know that big change comes in small increments that are applied daily. That's the place to do it. So we'd love to see it at universityofpersuasion.com. And we're still deciding who the worst one was. (laughs) We'll get back to you on that. We promised that we would give something out, but we didn't want to say and incentivize a bunch of poor submissions. You know, you're, you're going through these things and a few really bad ones, that's kind of fun. It makes it a little, uh, a little more entertaining. But if they're all that way, oh, wow. That's like when I, I have to sometimes go undercover as the heckler at Kurt's class at the university where <laughs> these public speaking students <laughs> have to endure a heckler and I get to be it. And it's really fun for the first, oh, five or six of them. And then you're just thinking, oh, this is just getting old. So, (laughs) yeah. For some of you, especially those of you from New York who like to insult other people, it might not ever get old. But uh, for me, it does.
0: Some people love doing it. All right.
1: And we are ready to cue the Urkel.
0: All right. Go, Urkel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, come on. I did the Honda Civic thing for you, and you're still grumbling about Urkel, whatever. I got the article today, and you're jealous. That's why. But uh, listeners, you want to know why you're always late or why a few people close to you are always late? Because it seems like nobody can show up on time anywhere, even if they have plenty of time to do it, right? You're Getting ready to go somewhere. So you're just programmed to be late. And as it turns out, some people actually are, right? There's an article in the Wall Street Journal, and we'll post a link to it on the blog. So you just go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, and for this episode, you'll see the link to the article, Who and the author, I am not even going to attempt to pronounce her name. So don't try to say I didn't give credit. I just can't read that language, whatever it is. So there is a little-known concept out there called the planning fallacy, and it's a very difficult behavior to change, and it basically says that most human beings— anticipate that basic tasks are going to take them less time to accomplish than they actually are. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. we just are always a lot more optimistic about the amount of time that it's going to take us to accomplish a task. And this gets to be really tough. People that are always late. Sometimes you probably have people in your life that when you're going to meet them somewhere, you tell them it's earlier than it actually is, right? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I won't name names, but I know plenty of people in that category. And in their mind, they're never late, but anyway.
1: Yes, yes. So there was a research study done. A doctor from, uh, yes, he writes for the Journal of Human Performance. I know last time you were reading that, Kurt. Uh, you probably have read that, actually. But this guy, Dr. Conti, in his research, type A individuals, those who are fast-paced They're achievement-oriented and hostile at times. They tend to be more punctual, whereas Type B individuals who are more laid back tend to arrive later. Here's the deal. When just sitting there, a Type A individual versus a Type B individual, researchers said, okay, we're going to start the clock, and we want you to tell us when you think a minute has passed. The individuals didn't have a watch, just they're going off of the internal clock. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the type A individuals on average, once 58 seconds had passed, they said, okay, it's been a minute, right? I mean, go figure with the type A individuals who are always in a hurry, right? It hasn't been a minute yet, but of course they think it has. Now here's the kicker. The type B individuals, it took 77 seconds on average before they felt like a minute had passed. They're just on a totally different clock. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's not even close.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. So there you have it. That's why uh, a lot of people that you're dealing with, uh, there's just something internally going as far as how they perceive the passing of time. It's just slower. In the study too, what they did is they had people break down a specific task as a third party person. So they asked them, hey, if you were going to do this, how much time would it take you And then they had, well, if this guy over here was going to do that, how much time would it take him? And it was funny, they were more accurate when they were assessing how long it would take another person to accomplish the task versus themselves. So pretty interesting article, pretty interesting study.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. It's interesting how our concept of time for some people is more realistic than others. I know for me, a lot of times if I have a big, long list, I usually do the opposite. It gets done faster than I expect. But then those short, quick jobs, like on the weekend around the house, take 10 times longer than you expect. So I can see that going both ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Last week, we got
1: into deception. We talked about verbal cues, right? Some of the things that you should pay attention to when somebody is allegedly trying to deceive you. And you've probably, without any doubt, caught millions of uh, liars in your life since last week, all the deception. (laughs) But that's not all there is to it. And in fact But these... wait,
0: there's more. Yeah, okay. Can I say that? That's my favorite thing to say. All right, sorry. Can go we ahead. can we go
1: get uh, <laughs> the sham wow guy? We...
0: <laughs> we need that audio, right? But wait, there's more.
1: Yeah, that that would be perfect if we can get the sham wow guy saying, but wait there's more and we you can just have that on a, on like a big red button on your desk for when we're recording the podcast.
0: I'm going to put that on my to-do list. I'm going to find that.
1: Yeah, I, I bet you are. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Next week, guy. You thought he was in jail for assault, but you're about to hear more of him. I think he <laughs> is in jail, or at least he's been charged. Oh, but... That's not good. Yeah, that's not good yet. He's going to get on the show. I mean, we should probably reevaluate. So <laughs> we're talking about these things come in clusters. We've got verbal cues versus nonverbal cues. Okay. So last week, we talked about some of those verbal habits. And this week, what are people doing with their eyes, their body, their head, their hands that are going to tip us off that there may be some deception happening here? And when we talk about deception, it's not necessarily the person is a, you know, all out malicious evil liar. They could be. Maybe the person just doesn't really believe what they're telling you. They're doubting it, which in the business world, when many times you stake your reputation on other people's commitments and other people's promises I mean, you really want to know if somebody feels confident in what they're talking to you about. So here we are, Kurt. What do you think? What are some of the main nonverbal cues that people will give away when they are being deceitful or deceptive or however I'm supposed to say that in English?
0: Well, just to recap, remember that we're looking for these microexpressions. We're looking for two or three of these clusters that we never confront anybody tell or call people a liar. What we're, we're looking for their standard behavior before we go into a stressful situation or emotional situation. But you can have this deception radar. Anybody can really learn how to use these. And we can't hide all these. There's just too much happening with the body. So the first one, and this is the one that people always talk about, is the eyes. They looked away. Liar! That's not necessarily true. You're looking something different from their standard behavior. Because some people don't have eye contact no matter what, whether they're lying or not. Your job here is to look at their eyes and look for something that's different. Now, maybe they're starting to avoid eye contact, but then maybe they heard, if I don't look at them, they think I'm lying. Then you'll get this forced eye contact. They're almost staring you down. You'll see increased blinking. They've done plenty of studies with politicians, we'll just put it that way, that they would slow down the recording. Their blinking does tend to increase. And a lot of times the pupils will dilate when they're feeling a lot of emotions. Eyes can be good. But just because they looked away does not mean because of that one thing that they're lying to you.
1: Well, we said last week that lying burns a lot of calories, right? Mm -hmm. It's just using up a lot of the bandwidth. So the person is trying to to make it look like their message is more convincing. In fact, this is probably the subconscious mind trying to convince itself (laughs) because it's It's not natural to sit there and say something that's not true. For some people, maybe it is. They're just so natural at it. (laughs) So they're looking at you very intensely, yet they're blinking a lot. Did I get that right?
0: Yeah. So it's changed from their standard behavior. Some will start to avoid, especially kids and people that really aren't thinking a lot about it. But a lot of times they'll, oh, I can't look away. They'll think I'm lying. You get this more of this forced eye contact. Basically, they're looking at you a lot more than they did when you were talking about sports or the weather or some things that were not emotional.
1: So is there a perfect answer here? Somebody who's looking away all the time is lying more than somebody who has too intense of eye contact, or is it just, you know, it all goes into the pot here for consideration?
0: Yeah, you're looking at one of the clusters. The main thing here is, is the eye contact's now different. It's either increased or decreased. You're seeing that blinking going up. The pupils are starting to dilate. Those are things that can really put out that red flag for you.
1: That's just a recurring theme here is you have to have some kind of a baseline for their behavior. Otherwise, this could all mean anything. Exactly. Okay, so we got the eyes. What's next?
0: Well, then let's talk about the head, right? This is the one that people are best at controlling. They're they're thinking about it more. You'll see maybe increased tilting in their head. You might see a lot of more contact with your hands covering the mouth or the hands touching the head. That's one thing that you can look at with that. Maybe their mouth, that they're biting their lip. You can tell with their voice that their mouth has become really dry. You might see that fake smile. I think it was in the Middle East, way back when, thousands of years, to see if you were lying, they would put an iron on your tongue. (laughs) Because a lot of times when you get nervous, you get really dry mouth and it burns your tongue. Now, if you're not nervous, your tongue's really wet and it doesn't hurt. So try that. No, don't try that at home. (laughs) Get in trouble for that one. But that's one to look at. You might see them rub their nose more because there's increased blood flow to the nose. Their ears might turn red. could be a facial twitch. Or you might see fake expressions, meaning usually expressions only last one or two seconds if they're smiling or doing different things. But when you see these forced expressions on their face lasting five, ten seconds that seem a little too long, that would be another one of those clusters that you're looking for that would indicate deception.
1: It seems to me that Because lying is taking up so much bandwidth, the face and the mouth especially are are very important here. And it's that subconscious draw that these lies are coming out of my mouth and you watch those hands and they tend to come up and they cover the face a little bit because they're trying to hide (laughs) that inconsistency on a subconscious level. Is that not happening or is that that accurate?
0: That's exactly what's happening and they're not even... Thinking about Because as we talk about all these things, there's too many things to think about for them to control all these things that one of these is going to slip through and you'll be able to see it as one of the clusters.
1: Okay. So we've got eyes. We've got head. What's next?
0: Well, let's move down. How about arms and shoulders? Okay. So crossing the arms back and forth, keeping the arms crossed, crossing, crisscrossing. Their shoulders are not squared up with you. Could be one. They're turned away. You'll see more of a kind of a shoulder shrug, a little like tension almost in their arms and their shoulder. That could be another red flag for you. You know, as we go down the body, you might see an increase in perspiration. Their movements might seem a lot more mechanical because they're thinking about them now. Oh, They're thinking about their gestures. They don't want to reveal that they're deceiving somebody. So it's almost like they're robotic a little bit. And sometimes they'll physically move back. And want to make sure there's more space between you. If they're in a chair, their legs might go underneath the chair. They might be backing up a little bit. So sometimes their body is backing up or sometimes they want their body to take less space or things that you're looking for when you're looking at their body.
1: Okay, good to know. So I mentioned it earlier. What about hands? I think that's probably a big tell.
0: It is. Now, a lot of times with the hands, I mentioned that sometimes we look robotic with the body and our hand movements. Sometimes it's, they're not moving at all. Movements are minimized. It's almost like they're rigid or they're too stiff. The hands will look a lot less spontaneous. There will be a decrease in hand movements because maybe I'm moving too much. Maybe I'm giving it away. So usually with hands, it's less spontaneous. There's a decrease in hand movements, and it's almost something's different. Something's fake about it because they're now thinking about it. Because before, when you're talking about the weather or sports, they weren't thinking about their hand movements. They were just talking, enjoying it. Now, all of a sudden, they're thinking about it, and there's a big shift there.
1: Okay, so anything that we should be watching for on legs and feet?
0: You might see a crossing, uncrossing, wiggling, tapping. I mentioned feet underneath the chair, trying to take up less space, backing up. Usually the crossing, uncrossing is a big one there. If they're sitting down, the wiggling, the fid- the fidgeting would be a big one with the feet. They're... Or they have to go to the restroom. Right. That's right, uh, we're yes. looking for three or four different clusters that all indicate <laughs> that you are are being deceptive. So
1: that's interesting on legs and feet, especially too, because kind of going back to the hands is they don't really have to do anything right now. So they can be a window to how the person really feels. All the bandwidth is going towards the face and the actual content of the lie, right? So the body and the subconscious mind will let the true feelings come out through the the hands and arms and, and legs and feet. I've seen a lot of times, Kurt, that If somebody, like you said, they're shrinking away, they're moving away from you, and their feet are usually pointed towards the door or towards somebody else, that shows where they really want to go and where they want to be. doesn't necessarily indicate deception, but it does indicate that they don't want to talk to you. They want to talk to that person or go out that door.
0: Exactly. And two things. The brain does not have the bandwidth to create a lie and think about your legs and your head and your body and your vocal fillers and all the things that we've talked about. And so we can pick these things up. And number two is don't worry about the next question, the next thing you're going to do, the next part of your presentation. Take time to really read people. And again, in non-stressful situations or things that really doesn't matter for your business, learn to read people and take the time to do it. Your return will be a hundredfold.
1: Well, there you go. There you go. So if you can combine this with, like I said, the nonverbal cues, somebody uh, changes their pace, right? They start stammering. The eye contact gets a little more intense, yet you see these kinds of things where feet are pointing away. Uh, You've probably got a liar uh, on your hands, and you have all the right in the world to say their pants are on fire.
0: Exactly. Pants are now on fire.
1: (laughs) Pants are now on fire. Anything else (laughs) on Deception you want to add, Kurt, before we wrap that up?
0: Well, we can go really deep on this, but something's really interesting with eye direction. We've talked about this briefly at seminars sometimes. A lot of times you can tell a lot with deception and eye contact. There's some studies done in 1972 by Kinsborn and Ornstein, if everyone needs to know that. And this is for right-handed people that when our eyes move in certain directions, we're pulling visual stimuli or pulling auditory stimuli, some different things. But they found usually, and again, I'm simplifying a very complicated science here. Usually for right-handed people, when they lie, it's called visually created. As you look at them, they are looking up and to the left. That is usually this place where your eyes go, because of your brain, to create a memory or create something that's happened. You are making something up. You're imagining something. It's called a visually constructed image. If you say, hey, imagine a purple buffalo, watch where people's eyes go, or an orange elephant, or can you imagine a half dog, half elephant, something they have to think about, Man, they have to go up there and they think about it. That's just another thing you can add to your tools when you're working with people as far as watching their eye contact and when they're visually constructing new Im- images or things that really haven't happened before.
1: I think I saw that on that movie, The Negotiator, <laughs> with mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson, right? He's yelling at some guy and watching where his eyes go is pretty funny.
0: Yeah, and that's true. That's a great science. Again, that would take hours to really get into it, but that's just something to think about. The eyes are the window of the soul. There's a lot of things we can really tell with eyes.
1: Yep, yep. It's a valid science. We featured it as the article a couple of weeks ago, the James Bond body language. Uh, I think that was episode 74, where if people do get enough tape on somebody, they can tell when that person is lying, when they really mean what they say. And that requires a lot the article that we talked about there, Kurt discussed the fact that they needed to have hours of tape on this person to be able to get any kind of a baseline and a variable. So we as persuaders can do it a lot quicker because we don't get all that baseline on the body language side. But when we can couple this with the verbal cues and the nonverbal cues, it's going to give you something that you can work off of for sure. And when you deal with certain people, right, you get to know this really quickly on some people. Hey, this guy's lying. I work with him all the time. I know. So this stuff is going to be good on people that you don't really know that well, but uh, you'll, you'll really get a lot faster on the people you have to deal with on a daily basis.
0: Exactly. Great points.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. All right, Kurt, that does it for deception. Why don't we queue up the blunder?
0: Blunder, Homer, talk to us. Don't, don't, don't.
1: There he is. So Kurt, somebody botched a sale the other day. Didn't know when to take the money and run. Is that right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I almost was starting to watch this thing at the supermarket because it was going to be the ninja, right? Because here's this table. She was doing this whisking thing and all these gadgets. People were gathered around. So first of all, she was a good-looking person, law of connectivity. She, her voice was projecting well. That's verbal packaging. A law of involvement. She had people gathered around, which caused more people to gather around. And she was going, and she had energy, and people were watching, and you know, more people were watching. And this tool was pretty cool with what she was whipping and doing different things. And this lady in the front says, hey, can I get one? Middle of her presentation took her off. She's all, so what do you mean? She's says, like, I want one. I've seen this before. I've been looking for it. I would like to buy one. Now, first of all, I thought it was a plant. That's too good to be true, right? She's probably on straight commission. Someone walks to the front and wants to buy one right there because if she buys one, because if she buys what other people will buy, when she says, well, hold on, I need to do my presentation and then we'll talk about it. She kept going and going. She says, no, I really buy them. Where are they? And they were behind the table and she wasn't willing to stop her presentation and hand one to her. She's all, And, and the one point she says, do you know what it costs? She says, I don't care. I want one. I'm like, give her one. <laughs> so this lady finally walked away in disgust, didn't want to watch the whole presentation. She oversold her. All she had to do is say, great, here you go. The lady didn't care about the price. There you go. You can take it right up to the front. Social validation. She could have been the ninja, but that one thing, because she was so stressed about everyone else, she was so stressed about her presentation, she didn't take the time to sell one of these things, which was why she was there. She didn't take the time to use the social validation the person wanted to buy. She was too concerned about finishing her presentation, which is a big thing for a lot of persuaders. You're talking too much. When they're ready to go, get it done sell your product, get them to accept your idea, and it makes persuasion much easier.
1: A lot of times, persuaders are more worried about giving the presentation than the actual result that it's supposed to
0: get. That's exactly what happened to you. Well, I'm not finished yet. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Your goal is to sell these knickknacks. You just sold one. You're going to lose money. Give it to them. Not to mention, it would have been perfect to stop the presentation. Oh, where did you see a great all right, well, here you go. This is great. Right down here. They have social validation. Someone else is buying it. They were excited to do it. She didn't care about the price. Totally could have helped her presentation more than anything else. She could have said she could have borrowed that credibility, went from a surefire ninja to the blunder of the day.
1: Yeah, definitely. that, And that's how she could have done it. Like you said, instead of just stalling everything saying, oh, this lady gets it, right? You know, ma'am, where did you hear about it? Great. Let's write you up right now. And she likes it because of this feed and she can keep going while she's checking this thing out. It, that's a symptom of not really being very confident in the presentation, right? When you're confident so. in it, you can, you know, you can multitask. And I know in the, in the large group sales world, you know, sometimes at seminars, I've been on a sales staff and you've got 40 people that come to the table and there's what for you. And, mm-hmm. and this gets tricky and, I've seen guys stand up on the table and say, okay, this gentleman here, just ask, you know, and they'll answer it to the whole group because you don't have the time to sit there and, and talk to one guy, right? People are gonna get frustrated, they walk away.
0: Exactly. And I've done it before in those type of arenas where I'm making the sales is I keep my microphone on because someone's gonna ask some a question someone else has. Oh yeah, they'll have, take your questions to the back. That's a great question. Here's the guarantee, this is what we're doing. Everybody can hear social validation, people going to the back. Cause that is a very stressful sale. Cause you only have a few minutes to grab someone's attention to get them going. And one person could suck the life out of you and you've lost five other sales.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that person's usually the first to the back, by the way.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Can I see it? Do you have a card? Sometimes you, I don't know if the good thing is you sacrifice one person to get to the other five because they will. If you let them, they'll take all your energy away and ruin everything for everybody.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You get the lady that says, oh yeah, I'm so glad I got to talk. No clue that there's 30 people behind you. Mm-hmm. Are these in vinyl? Well, my church doesn't believe in vinyl. And so I'm <laughs> wondering if we could special, or you're just killing yourself yeah, inside.
0: So people are missing those social filters. That'll be our next business venture. We need to sell social filters to people so they can kind of reboot and get it because oh, sometimes it's just not there.
1: My mom is a, she sells new homes for a big developer here and she works in the model home and she had this happen. Somebody calling her, bending her ear about nothing. She's got five clients in the showroom tapping their foot and this person is just letting her have it about completely useless stuff. Not letting her have it like he's mad, but just needed somebody to talk to. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. when you're in sales, sometimes people think that you're a free psychologist, and it's uh, true. They do not ask your permission for therapy. They just sit in the couch and tell you about their childhood.
0: Maybe we should be able to bill for therapy, huh? Jeez, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna send you a bill. You took an hour of my time. I've lost three sales. I'm send you a bill.
1: Well, you have to agree on it up front, which after this, I get to go talk to a contractor remodeling my house who just gave me a big bill for a bunch of stuff we never talked about.
0: Oh, that's always fun. You'll have to do that as either the blender or the ninja of the week next week.
1: We've got all this new molding and crown molding and wainscoting going in. And apparently, if you want it sanded and ready to paint, that's a different conversation.
0: That's like the first trip to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Oh, you want a potato with your meat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want a veg? It's not included. First, yeah. it takes you back because the expectations were not set.
1: Yeah. Well, I think they've gotten better at that. Have you noticed now? Say now our entrees are on the side. The steaks are just the steak. They say it so well that you're just happy to do it. That's right.
0: Well, hey, we just got the food in at the very end of our podcast. How good is that?
1: Yeah, I'm going to Fleming's on Saturday, by the way. Ooh, that's good eating. Man. Yeah, I'll have a full report, everybody. So Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. It's making me <laughs> hungry.
1: So, all right. Now that we've uh, gone completely off the rails, usually it's at the beginning. We waited all the way to the end this time. Make sure you recommend the podcast to your friends, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Subscribe to us on the iTunes store. Just search Maximize Your Influence. You'll see our podcast pop up there, and you can listen on Stitcher Radio as well, or just listen directly on the website at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We appreciate you listening. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of Maximize Your Influence.
0: Go out and persuade with power.